Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. I think it is interesting that we had a song about peace right before a sermon about war. But I think it fits. We're finishing up a three-lesson series today on a vision that can be, and the point today is we can have warfare without war. I want you to think with me about that for a few minutes, and then tonight, as we've done each time, we're going to examine ourselves, take a look at ourselves to see, are we in fact engaging warfare without war? And I'll explain as we go. I know that sounds contradictory. How can you have warfare without war? It sounds like a problem. You're not thinking too well. Well, I know it can happen. I've seen it happen. You've seen it happen. I lived in it yesterday. I warned you. I helped move a family. And we were packing a trailer with two engineers and a son-in-law. And they didn't always agree what should go where and when it should go. The older engineer decided he'd had enough and he just went to sleep. But you know what? There was no war. Warfare without war is a mindset. It's an attitude. It's a mentality. And therefore today I want us to think about the real fact that we are in fact in a warfare. But our minds, our attitudes, our thoughts must be proper in the midst of that warfare. Let us begin by considering that there are a number of people, maybe some of us, maybe some of you who see all of this war language in Scripture. And you wonder about it, you think about it. Well, the Bible is full of war language. It's from the beginning right to the end. Now, there are some who look at that situation and they have seen a two-sided God, if you will, some look in the Old Testament and they see a God of war. And they look in the New Testament and they see a God of love. Well, I get that. In the Old Testament, God had said to the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 45 and verse 5, I will bring adversity upon all flesh. And all throughout the Old Testament, God is reaping what those people have sown. 
And so I know that in the Old Testament, that's exactly what God said. I also know in the New Testament that Jesus said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I know that the Old Testament sometimes says God brings adversity, while in the New Testament, God is love. But sometimes we forget the other side of the story. Passages like Psalm 146, where the psalmist wrote, God opens the eyes of the blind. He raises those who are lowered. He loves the righteous. He watches over the strangers. He cares for the fatherless and the widows. But those who are wicked, God despises. Does God present himself as a loving and caring God in the Old Testament as well? Yes, he does. But then some forget in the New Testament that God is judging. Romans 2. To those who are unrighteous, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man that does wickedness. To the Jew first and also to the Gentile. It is not true that God is the God of war in the Old Testament and the God of love in the New Testament. God is love and God is a fighting God. Therefore, I know we can have warfare without the war mentality. Here's what I think is going on in Scripture. may not be fully accurate, but this is a good way for us to get a handle on it. I think that we see in the Old Testament physical warfare. And this physical warfare is God's use of His people to dispense His justice and judgment on their sinful lives. Deuteronomy chapter 9, right before going into the promised land, finally, you remember they didn't go in the first time because they were afraid. Now the second time they get a chance to go back in and Moses is reading the law and reminding them of their history. And he said, God all along wanted you to have this land. Now look at Deuteronomy 9 in verse 5. It is not because of your righteousness that you are entering this land. But because of the wickedness of the people that I am giving you this land. And they went in and fought. They were a warring people during that time to conquer the promised land. Why? Because they were so righteous and they deserved it? No. But because God was casting out his vengeance on 
those wicked, unrighteous, ungodly people that he had tolerated for centuries. And now he said, I've had enough. And so physical warfare was just about that. And it's full in the Old Testament. But when we come to the New Testament, The vast predominance is about spiritual warfare. It's about God working with his people to defeat sin in their own lives. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities powers, the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We are in a fight. And we are in a fight where God is working with us to overcome the sin to which we are drawn. That seems to me to be the difference between the Old and the New Testament. But certainly there was spiritual warfare in the Old, and certainly in New Testament times and our times, there's physical warfare. But I think you see the difference. I want you to think with me now about this spiritual warfare. If you'll turn your Bibles to the text that was read for us, and we will consider 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And I want you to notice with me what we find in this text about our warfare. First of all, we walk in warfare every day. We are in a continuous fight every day. We are constantly facing the enemy. Verse 3. Notice what he says. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. This is where I think we find the difference. This is where I think we find the concept of warfare without the war mentality. Notice what Paul says. We're not warring like the world does. Well, think for me, with me for a minute. How does the world fight a physical warfare? You can probably think of a number of different ways. I want to give you these. Number one, the war mentality in the world says might makes right. If I am stronger than you, 
if I'm more powerful than you, if I have greater influence than you, if I can call more people to my side, if I am mightier than you and I win, then it's obvious that I am right. Might makes right. That's the mentality of the world. How about number two? The war mentality in the world says people are the enemy. It's about defeating you. It's about defeating her, him, them. I want to wipe all of you out. War mentality says people are the problem. Number three, in the world's mentality of war, domination is the goal. I don't want to just win in a war. We don't want to just overcome. We want to bury. The world mentality of war is to beat you down and stomp on you and make sure that you can't get up again. Domination is the goal. And number four, the war mentality in the mind of the world, all that matters is for us to punish you for whatever you've done, for whomever you are, whatever we think about you, we are here to punish you. And that's all that matters. And if we accomplish that, we've done our goal. But Paul says, we don't war like the world does. So what does he say? Well, let's see if we can pick it out of this text. Verse 4. Our weapons are not physical weapons. In fact, we are mighty in God to pull down strongholds. The mindset of war for Christian people is that right makes might. You want to be strong? You want to be powerful? You want to have influence? Be right. Paul says we're not engaged in the concept of showing how strong we are and dominating you. He says I want to be right. And with God we can pull down strongholds. With God we can tear down the barriers. With God we can take the obstacles to peace out of the way. The war mentality says just fight harder and longer and stronger. And that's how you get rid of the problems. No. God says you stand with me. And you be right. 
and it will give you might. Number two, verse five. We are in the process of casting down arguments and every high thing exalting itself against the knowledge of God. Principles, concepts, ideas, thoughts, those are the enemies. It's not the people. People should not be our enemies. What they teach, what they say, what they do, Certainly we fight against. Certainly that is part of the enemy, but not the people. In war, it's a choice to kill, maim, and destroy people. But this text says that with the proper knowledge of God, we can tear down the real enemy which is what they think, what they say, and what they do. Number three, notice what Paul says. We bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. In our warfare, the goal is service, not domination. Why are we in this war? Why are we having this warfare? Why is there a problem? Because we are trying to learn to obey Jesus. And it distresses me as it does you that people call on the name of God and they call on the name of Jesus and they call on the Spirit to justify ungodly warlike attitudes. We're involved in the warfare in order to learn to serve God properly. That's our goal. Not dominating somebody else, but serving God by controlling ourselves. Finally, number four. Do what matters First, then you can punish that which is wrong. Notice how Paul put it. Be ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. The warlike mentality in the world oftentimes has ungodly people doing ungodly things and going to war to beat somebody else. But Paul says, don't you jump in there and spend your time attacking and punishing that which is wrong until you have gotten control of yourself well enough that you then can go and fight. Now see, which is the war mentality of the world? The first one. 
Which is the war mentality of the Christian? The second one. And as Christians, we have warfare without war. We walk in warfare every day. But a final thought for you to remember is this. While we walk in warfare every day, warfare is not our walk. The war mentality is not our walk. 2 Timothy chapter 2, I leave you with this verse. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. And we will use this tonight to finish out this topic. No one who is engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. What did Paul say? If you're engaged in warfare, then you're not paying attention to the affairs of this life. Wait a minute. What does that mean? Well, that means warfare, the war mentality, is not what defines our lives. It's not what defines our walk. Because we're not of this world. We pull away from this world in order to war as God would have us to war Warfare without war is possible. Tonight we will consider how well are we doing. The war has already been won. The devil knows he's already been defeated. He has no chance, zero, of beating God. The war has been won. But every day in my life and in your life, battles rage. He knows he can't win the war against God. But he still has a chance to win the fight against us. Therefore, we war. Because every day I have to win again. And tomorrow I have to win again. And next year, and the years after that, I have to win again. But I can win because the fight, the war, has already been won. And God said, here's how you can do it. If you're ready have the greatest help to fight the war that you need. Jesus says he'll be on your side. When we are immersed into Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, we become a child of God. And in that relationship, he works with us as long as we'll let him to give us strength for the warfare every day. Sometimes we get beaten down. Sometimes we're frustrated. Sometimes we lose the fights. He always says, come back. I'll take you.
I don't care what you've done in the past. I'll take you back. And that's the difference. That's what we count on. That's the promise. That's the confidence that we have today. If there's one in this number ready to obey Jesus in baptism, if there's one online wanting to do so, reach out to someone, call us. We will help you or certainly we will pray for you if you need us to help you in your struggle as we all stand and sing together. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.